At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the HHC. It's a winning edition. Hornets get a 113-102 victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder. We will break it down. We're going to break down the season so far. Hornets way ahead of schedule, according to general manager. Maybe not way ahead, but ahead of schedule, according to general manager Mitch Kupchak. Way, way ahead of the expectations of many of the national pundits, at least from the start of the season. We'll break that down. And there is another rookie ladder that has come out from the NBA as a birthday present to our producer, Rob Longo. I will not rant and rave about it this time, but I'm going to let our guest do it. He's Wes Robinson, Hornet social media associate and one of our favorites here on the Hornet Hivecast. He will rant about that in segment two, but right off the bat, Wes, big win for the Hornets. 113 to 102 at Oklahoma City. I know the Thunder have been struggling. I know this is a team that is uh, trying to play the young guys. They're resting, I guess, Al Horford. They've got a few guys that are hurt as well. So this is an underwhelming Thunder roster at the moment. But all that said, they had not lost four straight games at any point during the season until after this latest one. Hornets get the job done. What did you think of the performance? Going to this into this matchup, we knew and we were aware of a lot of the, the troubles that OKC was having this season. We just came off a tough loss against Boston, so this is definitely a way for us to be able to answer back and definitely build some momentum going into our next matchup, uh, playing against Milwaukee. Definitely a key win for us to be able to stay put in our standards in, in the Eastern Conference. We want to still continue to be in contention for the playoffs going into the end of the season. It was definitely a great win. I mean, uh, my, my favorite quote, from JB is next man up. 
And I think this was a perfect display of that. We had seven players in double figures. Brad Wanamaker, over this road trip, I think he's starting to feel more comfortable uh, with the offense, and he's starting to build some uh, rhythm with the team. He's a veteran point guard. Like He's been in these positions before. He knows exactly what it takes to win. He knows exactly how to battle to get in the playoffs and what it's like to be in the playoffs. So he's going to add some veteran leadership. While we have Gordon Hayward out, him and Terry Rozier, former teammates with the Boston Celtics, can now groom and teach this young team on what it takes to build a team that wants to make make the playoffs and possibly have some success down the road as well. Yeah, Wanamaker did a good job scoring the basketball and distributing last night, but the, the biggest next man up was Jalen McDaniels. Outlet to Terry Rozier, races inside, kick to the corner. McDaniels, another three. Yes, sir! Rip the net cord. Jalen McDaniels drilling another Lowe's three-point shot, and he has a career-high 13 today. And he didn't just set a new career high. He blew his previous career high out of the water. His previous best was from last season, 11 points. He had a season best of 10 points at Dallas very early in this season. He comes out with a 21-point performance. Here's what his head coach, James Borrego, had to say about Jalen McDaniels last night. Really proud of him to, to go from not playing basically all season to stepping into this moment right now. It just speaks to his character, you know, his mindset, the staff that kept him ready. And now it's just about building on this on this effort tonight. So really proud of him. Wes, it was a spectacular performance, and it wasn't just the scoring. It was the little things he did, taking a charge early in the game against Alexei Pokashevsky. I thought that was a big play. He did all of the right little things that not only is going to give the coaching staff confidence to continue to play him while other players are injured, but maybe to insert him more into the rotation later on down the road as well. He scored 21 points, and it almost just seemed like it was kind of, it just seemed like he was just at the right place at the right time. There was nothing really flashy, you know, it wasn't like power and dunks or um, crazy, you know, crossover three-pointers. It was just him just playing his position, finding open opportunity, taking high percentage shots. Uh, around the basket and most times he was right in position to knock down those three-pointers already set and, and ready to get his hands up so he can knock down a shot so he definitely filled the void that we needed at that position with having Gordon Hayward out and being inserted into his new lineup so I um, mean he pretty much had a, a nice balanced stat line you know six rebounds he had three assists and he was also helpful on the defensive end as well as you said taking charges and he also had two steals so he was just always at the right place at the right time, and even through some of uh, some of his misses and not even being able to take some shots, he was still setting his team up in many different ways by running the floor in a decoy on, on some possessions to be able to open up other opportunities while people like Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham, even though they struggled tonight, while Jalen was able to step in, those guys were able to find their way while Jalen took care of a lot of the, the other duties across the floor. Leading score for the team with 21, and I think you have a, a fair point that you know his points were not as flashy. A man whose points were extremely flashy was Miles Bridges. <laughs> now the loose ball tied up. Miles Bridges, the takeaway. Seller, lob for Bridges, who throws it down. Oh, my goodness. What a dunk. Miles Bridges, the sky bridge is open. 
a powerful, violent slam off a beautiful lob from the seven-footer Cody Zeller. I could watch Miles Bridges do jumping jacks all day. I think he would go 13 feet in the air. He is just a marvel. 36 points, 6 of 8 from the floor, 2 for 4 from 3. He ends up with 16 points, an extremely efficient outing there. Uh, Miles Bridges continues to impress, and you look statistically, he has not had a big jump in points. He's actually regressed, if you want to look at just the straight raw points per game, from 13 a game a year ago to 10 points per game this season. But his shooting percentages have leapt to career highs. He has been so good being efficient out there on the floor and being a spark plug, whether he scores or not. This is an opportunity here for him to score a little bit more. But whether he's taking shots or not, he's always having an impact. This was one of his best games of the season. Being able to watch Miles Bridges dunk, this is my third season watching him. And I still, it's still a wild factor. You know, I still get excited knowing to watch possessions unfold and to see how Miles Bridges is able to get his dunks, whether it's him going to the rack or his teammates setting him up for big dunks. I mean, people kind of expected for him to drop a little bit with LaMelo Ball being out because they were very hot early on in the season with Airbnb, but it seemed like Miles Bridges now coming into his own, finding his own rhythm, like you said, being a spark plug off the bench, and, and being the things that we just need in certain moments in certain games. If it's shooting in one game, Miles Bridges finds a way to come up big in that, and also he's also helped on the rebound this side. So he's had a couple of double-doubles, and he's also set the record for most double-doubles off the bench in Hornets franchise history. So that's phenomenal to know that we can rely on a guy like, like Miles Bridges, and being inserted into the lineup now with Gordon Hayward being out, this is his opportunity to now showcase what he's always wanted to and what he's learned over the last three years. And I think that James Borrego is now starting to put his trust in Miles Bridges more and more as he's making a case that he is a guy that we can use just not off the bench, but we can use him in the lineup as well and know that he can pretty much give us what we need from the two to the four position. And he's shooting 50% over his last four games from three. You know, you can't really ask him much more, uh, especially going into his first two seasons where he was really trying to develop that three-point shot. I think now he's starting to relax and pick his shots and knock them down when we need him most. No doubt about it. You can't ask for much more out of Miles Bridges considering they're not asking him to shoot anymore. If you ask him to take more shots, then you can expect him to see a jump in points. And I think you would because the percentages are playing it out. He's shooting the three better than he ever has in his career. He's shooting overall better than he ever has in his career. And all that athleticism and energy is still there. So it's nice to know that you have a high-quality player that doesn't need the ball, doesn't need to take shots to have an impact. But when he has his opportunities, Miles Bridges steps up. All in all, Wes, it's a good win. It was not a spectacular performance, though, overall from the Hornets. You look up and down the board, P.J. Washington didn't shoot well. Devontae Graham shot okay. Terry Rozier didn't shoot well in this one. But it was an important win because they had the blowout loss against Boston. They got a tough opponent coming up in Milwaukee. They're still dealing with all these injuries. Cody Zeller said afterwards he touched on the importance of this victory. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, obviously being without Malik, Gordon, Mello, it's a lot of our scoring. It's a lot of our playmaking. So uh, Miles has played well. Yeah, so, you know, especially coming off the bench, it's always kind of the role of the bench is to bring in energy. And uh, so that's what I've been trying to do. I thought Jalen played well tonight, obviously, as well. So 
uh, we're going to have to continue to have uh, effort from those guys and guys stepping up. So, you know, Coach has been telling us it's, it's a lot of the same team we had last year. You know, Melo and, and Gordon has helped us a lot this year, but last year, uh, most of the season, we relied so much on Devontae and, and those guys to get us going, uh, Terry as well. So, so, yeah, it's a lot of similar guys from last year. So this is an important win for us, especially after we, uh, we lost big in, in Boston and then uh, tough point against Milwaukee coming up. So we knew we had to have this one tonight. A very important win for the moment, Wes. It puts the Hornets back into fourth place in the Eastern Conference, which is great. But they're still only two games up on the number eight team, New York. And they're only one game up on the number seven team, Boston. So it's very crowded. Even though the team's going to come home finally after the game Friday in Milwaukee, you look at the next five opponents, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Lakers, Brooklyn, Cleveland's thrown in there too, but it would not be a stretch to say that the Hornets will be underdogs in four of their next five games. And I think it's important to focus less on where they are in the standings, more on how far ahead they are from that cut point to not being in the playoffs. Top six would be great. The point of this season is to get playoff experience for this young roster. That has been the goal the entire time. And so whether they make it in as the number four seed or make it in via the play-in tournament, to me, it's not as relevant as just making sure that they're in. And we're getting close to the time of the year where we can start looking at magic numbers and things of that nature. We're two games up out of the eighth spot, and we're still picking up uh, key wins, and most of our schedule is at home. I do feel comfortable at this space right now knowing that most of our games, at least we get to sleep in our own bed. We were in our own arena. We're comfortable uh, playing in front of our fans, so maybe we can feed off the energy from our fans to be able to pull off some some of these upsets. Because to be honest, we are kind of the underdogs in most of these matchups. But I do like the place that we're in right now because of our early start in the season. I think because we played so hard early on in the season, we're now in a comfortable space that can now push us and keep us in the playoff contention race. No question about it. Hornets get the win 113-102 to 102 last night over Oklahoma City. We got more to talk about in terms of what it means, the context of the season, how the Hornets have performed compared to expectations. But it's time for our weekly rant about the NBA rookie ladder. LaMelo Ball is still number six on it. How is that still possible? We will continue to talk about it as we roll along here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, during the month of April, the Charlotte Hornets and their official hunger relief partner, Food Lion Feeds, are launching the 2021 Dunk Hunger Food Drive to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina. The Bridges who throws it down with a right hand. For every Hornets dunk this month, slams it down with two hands. Food Lion will donate 1,000 meals. Terry Rozier throws it down over Kevin Durant. For more information on how you can help Food Lion and the Hornets dunk hunger, visit Hornets.com. We've got Hornet social media associate Wes Robinson with us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets getting a big win over Oklahoma City last night, 113-102. to We'll talk about the larger context of the season shortly, but I want to talk about the NBA rookie ladder. This has become my weekly rant. I'm even starting to get people expecting it on Twitter, which I find kind of entertaining, and it's fitting. Look, it's bothered me since they put LaMelo outside the top five since LaMelo Ball had the wrist fracture and went on the bench, potentially not to return the rest of the season. He has held him in a holding pattern at number six, essentially saying he's not to be, he's not going to be considered to win the award, so why should I put him on the ladder? I've never agreed with it. I still don't agree with it. 
The latest ladder has a slight adjustment. Anthony Edwards is now in at the number one spot. I don't know why he wasn't in it before. If you're not giving it to LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards clearly makes the most sense. Number two is Tyrese Halliburton, who was last week's number one. And then three through five, you got Jay Sean Tate of Houston, Sadiq Bay of Detroit, and Emmanuel Quickly of the Knicks. I do this rant all the time. Wes, you go ahead. Your thoughts on this latest NBA rookie ladder and the ridiculousness that is LaMelo Ball being sixth in any rookie of the year consideration. Yeah, I mean, I'm really trying to come to terms with it and try to understand. I mean, I read the articles over and over and try to read the breakdowns, but I really just can't seem to understand why uh, LaMelo Ball still being sit, sitting at sixth place. I mean, he, he's only missed up to maybe, what, seven games now? So he still was able to win Rookie of the Month. He's still going to win Rookie of the Month more than any other rookie this season. The statistics that we laid out early on uh, the last time I was on the episode, we were breaking down a lot of the statistic categories that he was able to pass up, passing people such as Luka Doncic, LeBron James becoming the youngest to record a triple-double, third player aged at 19 or younger to record multiple games of 20 points, 10 assists, and five rebounds, joining LeBron and Luka. I mean, he basically tied or passed six of LeBron James's record early on and was even tied with a record with uh, Oscar Robinson as well. I mean, and even and that's just statistics. I mean, leading the, the rookies in rebounds, assists, steals. I mean, and he, at one point it was points. I mean, the guy not only statistically – passes the test, but he also passes the eye test, right? When you see the impact that he had on the Charlotte Hornets and how our offense was very efficient. I mean, honestly, with his play and everything that he did for us, he gave us a comfortable cushion for now to put us in a, a position that, you know, we, we're banged up, we're a little wounded. We've suffered some consecutive losses at four and at five at one point, and we've been on some tough road trips, and ho- hopefully we can come off this road trip four and two, but even if we fall three and three, we're still in the top seeding to still make the playoffs and, and avoid the play-in tournament. That's a lot of credit to what LaMelo Ball was able to contribute to our offense. I feel where you, you're coming from. I, I just think that if it ended today, I still feel like LaMelo Ball will win the rookie of the year. He's played enough games. He's shown us enough that he can still win rookie of the year. But one interesting thing that I've noticed with um, that we may see a shift possibly in these standings is that Anthony Edwards now has D'Angelo Russell back. So maybe his uses will go down now. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we want this kid to not do well. I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. He's going to do amazing things with Minnesota, and we're going to be talking about these guys for years to come. But I wonder if there's going to be a shift in usage now that uh, D'Angelo Russell is back because he's, he's their primary ball handler and scorer right behind Car Anthony Towns. So I wonder if that's going to shift and maybe – They'll be a little nice to us in the rookie ladder to understand that maybe the mellow ball was having a better season with his team healthy as well. And one thing I probably can't even understand is that, I mean, the mellow ball next to uh, quickly, they're the only two teams that pretty much have rookies in the playoff contention. Everybody else is pretty much from the outside looking into the playoffs. So you got to weigh that in as well. I don't know. That's just my rant. Uh, things that I want to see, my biasness, my bias opinion on want to see a LaMelo ball go, but let's see what happens. It's a solid rant. I'll say this, you know, I appreciate the argument for impact on winning. Historically, it has had zero impact, though, on rookie of the year. Only if there's a really close race between two players who have pulled away from the pack and one of them's got his team in the playoffs and the other one's got his team at the bottom of the standings, then maybe 
But generally speaking, this is a statistics award, and I've kind of come to grips with the thought here that the way Anthony Edwards is playing, if LaMelo Ball does not return, Anthony Edwards is going to win this award. He is averaging way too many points per game, even though it's for a bad team. He is surged to the front of the pack. If he continues to score the way he has and LaMelo Ball does not return this year, I've kind of come to grips with the fact that Anthony Edwards is probably going to win it. But the one argument I would have now, I've never liked the fact that LaMelo was put at sixth, but it's making less and less sense because if you just take raw stats, total points, rebounds, assists, LaMelo Ball has the second most points of any rookie behind Anthony Edwards. He has the third most rebounds of any rookie, only one who is in that top five, Jay Sean Tate of Houston, is ahead of him. The others are, you know, way behind. In assists, still with less games than these other guys, he is number one in the rookie class in total assists. And the one that really irks me, total minutes played. He has played amongst rookies the eighth most minutes still to this day. One of the guys ahead of him, you referenced him, Emmanuel Quickly, is 13th. He has played 250 fewer minutes to this point of the season than LaMelo Ball. So here's my argument to move LaMelo up. It's got nothing to do with, if you want to say he's not going to win the award because he hasn't played enough, fine. But let's start eliminating some guys that just quite frankly, it would be ridiculous to have them win the award over LaMelo Ball. If you want to use LaMelo as a placeholder and say no one below this is going to win this award, then put him third because it's clearly a race between Tyrese Halliburton and the impact he's had on winning recently for Sacramento and Anthony Edwards, who just statistically is going to blow everyone out of the water in terms of points in this rookie class. I think those are the only two that realistically make sense at this point to win this award, assuming LaMelo doesn't play anymore and you want to hold that against him. I personally don't want to hold it against him. But if that's the bar, fine. That's where it stops making sense to keep him at six. That's our weekly rant. I'm sure the latter will tick me off again next week, and we'll get back to it. Want to talk more about the Hornets this overall season? The team is now 26 and 24. That 26 is significant, and we'll tell you why in a moment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Be there at Spectrum Center for a Sunday matinee April 11th when the Hornets host Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks at 1 p.m. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Sam Far- Barber and Hornet Social Media Associate Wes Robinson here with you on the HHC Today. Wes, with this win over Oklahoma City last night, the Hornets improved to 26-24 and 24 on the season. And going back to the start of the year, you know, Las Vegas puts out its predictions of the win totals for teams at the start of the year. A lot of different sites, 538 does its projections. At the start of the season, most of them put the Hornets between 24 and and 26 wins total on the 2020-2021 season. Now, with 20-plus games left on the calendar, the Hornets already have 26 wins. So Mitch Kupchak has said, the general manager of the team, that the squad is ahead of schedule in general. Based off those predictions, they are blowing them out of the water. And head coach James Borrego had this to say when it was brought up that the team had exceeded the national expectations 
already with more than a month remaining in the season. Fuels our guys, but we don't sit there and talk about it because I don't. I think that only gets you so far. It may get you excited for a game or two or for four or five minutes, but at the end of the day, you got to be a good ball club to win in this league. To be above 500, you have to be a good basketball team, and that's what we've been all season. We're a good basketball team with much improvement to still be made here. So proud of our guys, obviously six and four in our last 10. I think uh, someone just gave me a stat, 10 and six in our last 16 games. You know, even with the mellow injury, this group could have folded and we still continue to get better and, and trying to get better. We just move forward. It's still not going to be an easy task to end the season 500 because of all the injuries the Hornets are facing and the fact that there's a lot of difficult opponents still on the schedule, but still the accomplishment of exceeding the national expectation for a win total for this team at this stage of the game, it's a very impressive thing. It's a big part of the reason that James Borrego has been talked about as a Coach of the Year candidate, and it only gets more impressive as the injuries pile up here for the Hornets. I love JB's quote. They basically just saying that, you know, those guys are really not paying attention to it. You know, just to see that they have a goal in place. I mean, I know we're going to compete every single night. That's that's one of the big things about the four pillars that he has, that he still wants to be able to fight and compete and get the most out of this team. And we're definitely ahead of schedule. And it's even going to get even more exciting that when we do hit our stride, when we do hit our peak, we're going to be a fun team to watch for many years to come just on the fact that over the last two years we were pushing ahead of schedule then the outside expectations for the Charlotte Hornets. Certainly. And, you know, looking to the, the broader future, there is the possibility, Mitch Kupchak has talked about this, you know, vaguely like, hey, this is becoming more and more of an attractive situation for outside players to want to be a part of. He has been so good in the draft year after year after year uh, there's no reason to think that he's not going to find another gem for the Hornets to either plug in immediately or draft and develop. He has done both very successfully in his time with the Hornets and overall going back to his time with the Lakers as well. And for this season in particular, you know, there's certainly going to be, you know, six to 10 games where the Hornets are favorites, whether they get guys back or not. But as this team continues to get healthier, hopefully Malik Monk can return to the lineup sometime in the next you know week or more uh, as he recovers from the ankle injury. The time to at least reevaluate LaMelo Ball based off the initial timeline, you know, right now that's less than two weeks away. The time to reevaluate for Gordon Hayward, that's about three weeks away. So this team is going to start to get healthier. They're going to get pieces back. And if they can tread water here, and I'm not looking at staying in fourth, I'm looking at staying in the top eight, which is doable. The team has got a three-game lead on the Indiana Pacers to be an eighth instead of ninth, I guess. So ahead of the ninth-place team. They have a three-game cushion on the ninth-place team. If you can stay ahead of the Pacers and the Bulls and continue to be in that top eight, you got to like the chances for this Hornets team. But overall, it's nice to take a moment and say, this is a good accomplishment to take a team that the experts – said was between a 24 and 26 win club when they were predicting at the start of the season and despite all of the injuries and the adversity at 50 games in have already met or exceeded all of those national predictions it's quite an accomplishment that James Borrego his staff and his team and Mitch Kupchak and his staff and the team as a whole should be proud of 
Absolutely. I take a bow, James Borrego. Take a bow, Mitch Kupchak. We're building something special with this team, and I think a lot of people have seen that, and we've seen the potential of this team. And I hear I hear all the time on the radio and, and just hearing fans and, and media outlets and other media colleagues, they always come to us and say, man, you guys are very fun to watch. You know, and even with the injuries, I really didn't want to, you know, uh, check you guys out because they really thought they were going to see a different team. But it's still the same team, same excitement, same amazing plays, just focusing on uh, getting the right people to be put in the position that we're, we're in this kind of place where, where injuries will bite us, that there's always a next man up mentality. And that's what James Borrego always wanted, that no matter who's on our staff, we have, we're loaded with talent that can fit into this system. And these guys really like each other and really enjoy playing with each other. So to see that they're having fun, it makes our job easier, Sam. I can definitely speak for you and our staff members that it makes our jobs much easier to be able to have fun with a team that's also having fun with themselves as well. Most definitely. It is always fun to talk about a winner, and the Hornets are certainly one of those. They get the 113-102 win over Oklahoma City last night and now have 26 wins on the season. It beats a lot of the national predictions. And uh, what's that saying? You're playing with house money in a certain respect. Hornets are playing with house money right now. Already 26 wins in the bag, and they'll try and build on it from there. Next game will be tomorrow as the Hornets take on the Milwaukee Bucks, and we hope you'll join us again for the Hornets Hivecast tomorrow where we will preview that game. Our thanks to Wes Robinson, Hornets social media associate, for joining us again here on the HHC. Wes, always a pleasure and a privilege to have you on. Absolutely, and I hope that we can finish out this road trip strong and we can come right back on the Spectrum Center to see our, our amazing fans. Yes, indeed, and if you want to be a part of the crowd, 14 of the next 19 games after Friday's contest against Milwaukee will be inside Spectrum Center. For ticket information, whether it's Sunday against Atlanta or one of the many other contests against teams like the Lakers, Portland, Boston, Milwaukee Bucks are coming back to town. Miami will come to town. Lots of great games. Maybe you want to see Zion Williamson and Lonzo Ball. Potentially, hey, maybe LaMelo will be back by then. It's a game in May, so maybe that head-to-head matchup will be created once more. Whatever your fancy, go to Hornets.com for all of your ticket information. Thanks again to Wes for joining us. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us on the HHC. We'll talk to you tomorrow when we preview the game against the Bucks. Till then, in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.